0: Welcome to Box Up Banter. Uh, our stock is climbing, very, very high. Hopefully, it doesn't go down anytime soon. Uh, Chris Okamura, Jordan Christmas. How's it
1: going, Jordan? It's going good. Uh, now we are the that one thousandth podcast to make a stock a stock reference joke. <laughs> we, <laughs> we are give it the last three. Give it the last uh, three days. But uh, speaking of uh, stock up, the, well. The Jazz lost finally, but they have been uh the stock up has been yeah, going so for the Jazz recently. I did wanna I
0: did wanna talk about stocks and stock up and stock down. We talked a little bit about the Wizards last week. Um before that, breaking news here. Lamella ball stock going way up. He gets his first start tonight. The price
1: of the brick is going up.
0: I'm so excited. I am too. Ball. About time. Yeah, he should have been starting three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, honestly, Uh, I would have started him immediately, but, you know, know rookies don't get that.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if I would have started him immediately just because we didn't know Devontae Graham was going to be a piece of garbage this year. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, in general, I think that LaMelo has outplayed him significantly and deserved the starting spot. Uh, And it'll be interesting to see sort of how he adjusts to that. And if he can get a flow going, it seems to me like every time I watch the Charlotte Hornets, whenever whenever LaMelo gets it going and gets the flow going, they take him out. And I don't, I don't quite understand it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I remember what was it? A few games ago, James Borrego said something like, "Um, if you're not going to play any defense, you can't be getting me five turnovers. And I'm just like, well, that's, that's kind of the thing with LaMelo, right? Is like, he takes a bunch of risk. He'll do some wild shit. And yeah, he'll, you know, he'll struggle on the defensive end. He's a rookie, but he'll make splash plays. He'll play the passing lane. He'll get the steal. Or he'll, uh, you know, dunk it on top of Demona Sabonis's head on a putback hell dunk. yeah, he will. Which was <laughs> ridiculous, by the way. But, uh, yeah, it's about time. Um, I have... Uh, been really impressed with LaMelo. It seems like the team gets it to a flow, um, even though sometimes maybe the plus-minus stuff, and that's always noisy, doesn't necessarily bear out in his favor. It seems like the team gets in more of a flow. LaMelo o- always has his head up. He always sees passing angles that... Um, the guy's just run. It's, a, it's, and, the, it's the incentive to run, right? Yeah, it's the incentive to run. Him and Miles Bridges have an awesome, awesome connection already, or or they have had a great connection since the start of the season but uh i'm excited man yeah pj washington like that like we like we've talked about a bunch like the hornets have pieces to where they could be a fun team and right now they're the eighth seed in the east and uh as we expected like the play-in slash seventh and eighth seed you know teams they were they're not as bottom feedery as uh as a bottom feeder east teams of yesteryear but um the hornets being in the mix for uh, like i had them at the beginning of the year i had them in my tier four those fries you find at the bottom of the bag and uh they're kind of they're kind of playing above that it's like they it's like when you find extra curly fries at the bottom of the bag (laughs) yeah fire right Yeah. And then um uh, so they're eighth right now. They're behind the Cavaliers like they're both 9 and 11. But uh now that the Hornets are you know a you little know what bit they had
0: schedule. You know what they are?
1: They're when you
0: order Tell normal when it, they're when you order normal fries and you're eating them and all of and a sudden there's the one curly, curly fry, fry in Yeah. There you go, yep. Whoa, where did this come from?
1: <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I know what you mean. Uh but I'm excited. Um uh, I'm going to be where well, we're recording right now and the the game between the heat and the hornets is about to start but i'm definitely going to be watching that game later tonight uh cuz that that is going to be a good test anyway because you know jimmy butler's back bam's back the heat are starting to get their full complement of players back cuz literally they've had like 10,000 injuries yeah, and you know been, health and safety super, protocols that's one of the teams that i'm
0: i'm i'm buying stock on right now at this point me too like, people are overreacting to their record and sort of how they perform the early part of the season when they don't realize that like they've had eight players this entire time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't know who Gabe Vincent was until he, until uh, the heat played the 76ers in back-to-back home games. They had like eight players and uh, but they have Bam back. And by the way, Bam is like quickly ascending to becoming a superstar. Um especially I want with to be a league. little
0: more consistent shooting but like yeah he's starting to he's his starting to he's making
1: out. his mid ranger that's the one thing I wanted to see this year like his mid-range jumper is he's shooting it at a pretty high efficient clip and that was like he's ne- I don't think he's ever gonna be a good three-point shooter but the mid-range game like I could see him you know that could that's definitely a pet shot of his he has handle already like a guard and uh of course we all know he's tough as hell but uh now that we got now we like i'm a heat fan but now that <laughs> now that the heat have jimmy butler back um i i'm definitely i'm buying stock on the heat um not yeah was, not I like saw, dogecoin but you know it's pretty close I to always it saw,
0: i always saw bam as like i always called him mini anthony davis because he does he has like the fluidity that anthony, like not to the same extent like anthony davis is kind of a freak athlete when he comes to like you don't want to like have that guard. josh
1: eberle take <laughs>
0: no like it but he it they do have similarities where i'm like oh i can see the fluidity and the movement and like just the yeah. athleticism there but he but doesn't that's have where it kind of stops. that's kind of where it stops and you go like oh like if bam keeps progressing he could hit the point where you're like oh i can see them being pretty comparable but like he just does everything anthony davis does to a lesser
1: extent i right? think he's a better passer than davis but everything else davis does like yeah. on a tier that's like Obviously, it's a superstar level tier, um and that's the leap that I think that's the transformation we're seeing Bam make this year. Right,
0: like he's getting closer and closer and closer. Right.
1: Yeah, Nikias Duncan of uh, Basketball News. He's a Heat fan, but he is he is one of the smarter people that I read, and not like smart as in like oh, he's an analytic driven. Like he he's a film guy. He's a huge Heat fan, and. Uh, he, you know, wrote, wrote a really good article about Bam's transformation. Um, I wouldn't go as far as he did by saying he's becoming a top ten player, but I could see the trajectory he is on. Like by next year or a, you know two I, years I from him now, on,
0: I have on a on my top ten prospects list, like my top ten up and comers list.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, he's an up, but uh, he he was a borderline star last year. I mean, he was a offensive hub for them and this year he's yeah. taking another leap. So it, it's think, a good I test for the Hornets though. I think he is honestly the most important piece of that team besides like
0: Jimmy Butler obviously is a huge, is the leader and the star of that team. But I think that Bam is more important for how they're, Jimmy has said their their that Bam is the soul anymore. of the team. Yeah. It just, it it's, it's like a, he, everything centers around what Bam does. Offensively and defensively, right? It's sort of the same way that the Lakers play around Anthony Davis. Where yes, LeBron is the star, and LeBron is kind of the major piece of that team. But like everything plays around Anthony Davis, right? It's yep. how how every all the pieces flow around that offensively and defensively, right? And so hmm. Bam kind of fits in that same spot. They put him in the Jokic spot and that Draymond spot, and yep. just have him kind of just the elbow foul line make, area, yeah, just make the read. Um and you know they're they're they run more dribble handoffs than I've ever seen any other team run ever.
1: <laughs> yep, because they have uh, the they have those deadly shooters with uh Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Well, Tyler Hero's been struggling a bit this year, but he's a good shooter. He's gonna yeah, I think he's, he's gonna bounce back.
0: I think he is better when I, I like I like Tyler Hero more going to the basket than I do him shooting. Um, I like him attacking, and and I think him attacking opens up his three point shooter. I don't consider yeah. Tyler Hero a three point shooter um i you know i think of him more as sort of a well-rounded offensive player
1: like yeah Robinson, well he was known for you know coming he was a knockdown shooter coming out of college uh, yeah he might not be like elite elite but um i could definitely see him hit 40 percent like a few times in his career like i yeah, oh, he's definitely. gonna be a high 37 to f- again. i think he's a, yeah. i think yeah. he's a
0: great three-point shooter but i think like the I don't. I don't like him. When I when he I he has think more dynamic. Shooters, yeah. I yeah. Like it. when I when I think three point shooter, I think of like the the JJ Reddicks and the Duncan Robinsons and right. Like the yeah. Tompins, right. I think of he that has some handle. Like some like handle. Yeah. He has a lot more to his game than that, and I don't want. Yeah, like I. I just think it's dangerous when you have the media and fans and everything call him a three point shooter. Where like I feel like that kind of puts him in a box that he doesn't that he could really do more.
1: Right. Um, because he could definitely, he's ran, well, I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. I mean, he's ran pick and roll. He's made big shots. He attacked the rim with ferocity, especially against... Now,
0: now let me clarify. I don't want him as a primary playmaker the entire game. I don't think he's that. I think yeah. he's better at the off guard, but I do not want him standing there taking dribble handoffs and trying to launch threes all game.
1: There's a balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Of course. There, Yeah, there's a balance with everything. But uh, yeah, I'm with you, though. I'm I'm still I'm buying heat stock. I think uh, one of these teams, well, one of the uh, bottom feeder teams, whether it's the uh, well, I got to come up with a better term for the bottom feeder teams, because I've honestly I've been impressed with the Cavs, even though they have uh, lost two in a row recently. The Knicks have been playing hard and playing better. They have some fun players that I like. Um the Raptors, uh, they're still they're starting to find themselves a little bit after really struggling to start the year, but uh, it's gonna be an interesting battle here at the uh, bottom half of the conference, to uh, say the least. But um, you know, we're about a uh, over a quarter of a way through the season, so uh, I wanted to get your take on the uh the Utah Jazz. So the Utah Jazz, they just lost yesterday. They took a sledgehammer that was named uh Nikola Jokic uh and they got destroyed by the nuggets yesterday but before that they won 11 in a row um they have the offensive and defensive profile and shot profile of a contender honestly quite frankly they are playing like the team i thought we were going to see last year and that's with boyan bogdanovich um bogdanovich still finding his way uh especially coming off the injury so I, i wanted to get your uh your uh, first glance uh, opinion on the uh, Utah Jazz.
0: I like them. I like them better defensively than I did uh, before this. I think that they're playing, they're scheming really well. Donovan Mitchell's doing a better job of kind of being a team defender um, and sticking kind of, he's still not a great on-ball defender, but he's still, he's doing a lot better kind of getting deflections and, and being active yep. on the defensive end. Uh, but I, I'm still very iffy on them offensively just because i don't i still don't trust donovan mitchell offensively and this could be again my my bias or just me not i just i've seen it too much where he gets hot and then all of a sudden when it matters and when they need it later in the season it it just disappears Um, it didn't
1: in the first round series against the nuggets last year that's where that's kind of
0: where that's kind of like the 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 one time it didn't but like i've just seen him in the last couple years where it's like Okay, it's second half. You need you need like you need him to go off. You need to have you know, your assertive. Here's your star moment here, and it 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 never comes. And also, he I, I don't like him as a volume scorer. I think he's pretty low efficiency. Uh, I know he hasn't for this stretch here, but just kind of historically, he's been pretty low efficiency. Uh, and so that like again, it I I think they're playing really really well now. But I just have this thing with the with the Jazz having watched them the last couple of years where I kind of have a bias of, like, I don't know if this is going to last.
1: Well, um, I definitely... It, the questions about their playoff ceiling, I can see why you would have concerns about that because I have yeah. my concerns about that, too. Um, I will say, though, there's different elements of this team that make me think that, you know we could be proven wrong here. Like Mike Conley, he is, uh, having, honestly, he's, he's been revived and he, you know, he struggled out of the gate last year. He got injured and we all kind of wondered, okay, is this kind of it for Mike Conley? Is he kind of washed up? But he's back basically to Memphis. Mike Conley He's averaging nearly 17 a game. He's shooting 40% from three. He's averaging six assists per game. So it's basically, if you look at his, uh, If you look at his some of his Memphis years, it's kind of more in line with that. And also, more importantly, he's finally he's found his way in this offense. Him and Gobert's uh, pick and roll combination has been so much better this year. Yeah, Um, they have awesome chemistry. And also, um, Rudy Gobert is. I know. I know. People want to rail Rudy Gobert for his contract and stuff like that, but he is still an elite defender, and he transforms defenses. And the Jazz have, uh, per cleaning the glass, the third best defense still, and that's largely because Gobert is a monster. Um, Of course, you still have you know good team defenders like Joe Ingles. It's never going to be you know a fast, quick twitch one-on-one defender, but he's a good team defender. He's smart. Donovan Mitchell, same. Mike Conley, he's always been solid on that end, Um, even if he has lost a little bit of a step at 33. But um, the Jazz, they take the right amount of shots. They have shooters everywhere. And... W- I like when a team that has a lot of shooters take the majority of their shots from three. I think they take 45% of their shot attempts from three and the, you know, the rest at the rim. Jordan Clarkson has been a revelation. Um, people were like, whoa, what the hell? The Jazz signed him to a four-year, 12 mil a year conch contra- or 52 mil, but it was like 12 mil a year or something like that. Mm-hmm. But Jordan Clarkson is uh in the running for sixth man of the year like he's a heavy favorite. Yeah. He's averaging 17 a game, shooting 30 38% from 3. Uh his true shooting percentage is nearly 60 and he has just been lighting teams up off the bench and Quinn Snyder has obviously empowered him. And I could tell you from watching a lot of you know shitty Laker games with my roommates um and seeing Clarkson when he got traded to Cleveland um and then last year with Utah, I could see why people like Zach Lowe and others hesitated when they were like, whoa, what did yeah, the Jazz I'm not a Clarkson
0: fan? But that's what did the, the Jazz it, give
1: Clark- but- Yeah. What is like, what did the Jazz give Clarkson? But he's been showing out this year. And the Jazz have a solid, like, nine-man rotation. So at the very least, they have a nine-man rotation of like solid NBA players. Derek Favors backing up Gobert is really key um now that there's an established pecking order because when remember when favors was in utah before they were always trying to struggle between should we start go bear and favors together should we stagger their minutes but Gobert or favors came back this year and accepted the backup role and i i just really like the basketball they've been playing the playoff the playoff concerns um later on in the year i totally get but they're They're playing some really good basketball right now. And they would they would be a tough out for anybody. They should have, honestly, they should have beaten the Nuggets last year. And they were a Mike Conley rimming out three in game seven. We forget. Like, first of all, that the end of that game was wild. The Nuggets took a way up when they didn't need to, the jazz were trying to foul and the nuggets tried to take a layup and they missed it and Conley, or the jazz got the rebound, you know, advanced it up to Conley, and he shot a three at the buzzer and it went in and out. So it's, it's like that split in and out. It's like that one inch is the difference between, Oh, the jazz failed again in the playoffs, but, or, Oh, the jazz advanced to the second round. So, um, I think there'll be a tough out though in the playoffs.
0: And I, I I will say, too, that the Nuggets and Jazz always have competitive games. Like Those games are always, always. close. Uh, <laughs> to add on to the Clarkson thing, the thing with Clarkson that... So I feel about Clarkson the same way I feel about Kuzma, but I think they've both turned a corner. It, it, it goes back to the thing of they're both really talented. They both have skills that they have that, that make them great players or that could make them great players, but it always came down to the mindset. It always came down to... I feel like they think they're better than they are, and so they try to do things that are out of their wheelbox, and then it mm-hmm. just ends up they on up falling flat on their face. Um, yep. That's how like I felt about Clarkson when he was in LA and like being a starter, and like we didn't have anyone, and we we're looking for the guy, and so Clarkson kind of took it upon himself to like try to be the guy, and that it, it just didn't, it wasn't the thing. Mm. Uh, I feel like, and then when he got traded to Cleveland, it felt like he wanted to prove himself, and so he was pressing really hard, and it just didn't work. And then now, I think with the Jazz and
1: adjusting and, and, to playing with LeBron too, yeah, the first or that was LeBron's last year, but Clarkson got traded to the team halfway through that season right. too, right? Yeah. Right.
0: But uh, so yeah, that like that was a big thing. And then so coming to the Jazz and same thing with Kuzma now coming off the bench, I think both of them have kind of been empowered to understand like, oh, I'm good at this, and the team needs me to do this. Let me just do this, and then they're doing it, and they're doing great. Mm-hmm. And I think like that that's kind of a testament that I think all they have great coaching. Yeah. It's, it's coaching. And then it's also like growing up as a player, right. And understanding the league, understanding what you can do and your skills and putting work in the gym and understanding where your strengths are and how to play in the NBA and like where you fit in, in the NBA. Uh, And again, that's something that's kind of come up quite a bit talking Alex Caruso and Duncan Robinson, Duncan Robinson now has a podcast, but the, the they've, Talked on various podcasts about finding your role and finding out what you can do, uh, and so the line that keeps coming up is the Caruso line of like, uh, I think I forget who told him was it Sam Presti? I think Sam Presti told him that uh everyone wants to be a, a CEO, but you know, teams are looking for a guy to clean the floors or whatever, or you know, something like that. Like, yeah, know what they're yeah. looking for, and so it's such an important le- lesson to learn. I think like uh, Clarkson's success here is sort of the perfect example of like hey he figured out what the team needed which is to him just come out off the bench and be a volume scorer and kind of ignite and be bench offense and and yeah it's the efficiency
1: honestly that's that's staggering to me he's averaging a career high in points but it's roughly around the same career average in minutes and uh it's by far i think his uh what if i'm looking at the rest of his seasons of his true shooting percentage it's by far the highest of his career, and it, he's been integral for that Jazz team because, well, their starting five is already good from top to bottom, but then they could just bring in Clarkson and Favors, and they could run pick and roll like that. Um, he's a quicker decision maker too. It's almost like the the, the Tobias Harris corollary um, when Doc Rivers or in la with the clippers tobias harris had his most efficient season under doc Mm -hmm. rivers and they're different players but it's kind of the same thing where it was like all right you're dribbling too much you need to make two decisions you need to pass it once you you need in two seconds after you get the ball you either pass it to the next guy or you take two dribbles max and do and uh do your thing yeah score and that and Tobias has taken that to heart and he is once again um back to his efficient days of the Clippers and now Clarkson is now, now that he has his role and he's making quicker decisions, it's benefited him greatly. Um, but this jazz team is it's he this jazz team is interesting though. But if you're talking about like would I pick them over the Clippers or the Lakers in the West or even the Nuggets where Nikola Jokic to me, quite frankly, is a top five player full stop this year. Um, no, I don't think I, I, the Nuggets and jazz, that would be a closer series. But if you're asking me if it's a series between the Lakers and jazz, no, I'm picking the Lakers. If it's a series between the Clippers and the jazz, it's not as automatic as I made it sound with the Lakers, but I'm still taking the Clippers. Um, The only
0: only thing, the only reason I would even consider the Jazz is Gobert and the size. The Clippers' lack of size, like I, I keep reiterating every time we talk about them, terrifies me.
1: Well, Gobert does, the thing with Gobert is you can play, you can, you can't play him off the court, but you can game plan for his offensive impact because it's not like, if it was, the Clippers versus Anthony Davis or the Clippers versus um Nikola Jokic or Joel Embiid, where you have to tilt your entire defense towards them, um, uh, they would get destroyed. But it but if it's Gobert, like if Gobert's posting up a uh, Zubach or Abaka, um I'm Perfectly comfortable living with that um, because oh, that I means mean,
0: I just mean defensively as well. Like the thing that's with, true, defensively the thing with too. the size when you have someone like Gobert, especially like I think we talked about it before, the Clippers don't really have any kind of rim scoring or like high, like high efficiency shots that they can create on a consistent basis, especially against a, a rim protector. There's no one in there's no Harold this year that can get them inside buckets mm-hmm. where they can just throw into the post. All their guys are drivers. And so when you have someone when you have Gobert sitting back there, it completely turns you into a jump shooting team which they kind of are anyway. And when you have
1: I think like, the Abaka matchup would be interesting cuz he'd pull Gobert out. Yeah, and... he has to
0: pull Gobert out. But then the th- like the thing is then you you have
1: you're just you're turning them into a completely
0: a team that's completely reliant on shooting, which is again, I'd I'd take that every day.
1: Right. Um but uh yeah, that, still, that I would, still think the Clippers win, but I think yeah, like it's more of you.
0: a it's more of a toss up than like you know if they played I would trust the the Nuggets more just because of the I think I think
1: Jokic or I think Jokic could just tear up Gobert. If the <laughs> yo know, well Jokic does tear up Co- Gobert, yeah. he did it yesterday, <laughs> but. Um, if it was a, cl- a series between the Clippers and Jazz, I would still say Clippers at Six, but if it was like Lakers and Jazz, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers just flat out them. swept them or one in five, because as much as the Jazz are ha- as good as the Jazz have been offensively and defensively this year, I just think the Lakers still have the best defense in the NBA, they're, and they're still not even trying. Um, LeBron hasn't really been trying. Anthony Davis, I think, is kind of going through the motions and also I think there's a little bit of him trying to play with Marcus Gasol still um, that there's some yeah, figuring out. Yeah, there's still some figuring out that that team needs to do but I mean if you're talking you about sure? the Lakers at their best, they are killing the Jazz every time. I don't, I I don't know.
0: Have you seen the, the comments that Vogel and LeBron and AD and, and pretty much the whole Lakers team has made about
1: how they're taking the season? uh no well i can I, I can kind of take a guess but uh so, what, what they are, say?
0: so they're they're they keep you know they get questions about the fatigue and about you know the the see like the short turnaround time and stuff like that lebron
1: was basically like i don't get tired
0: <laughs> yeah but uh so basically i think vogel or ad said that they don't they haven't really had uh practice like they don't practice they have yeah. they have like film room and like they don't really I think do a lot of teams are struggling with that. Yeah, they don't do on court practice, so they're taking the games as practice.
1: <laughs> that, yeah, that a lot of teams are a lot of teams have been uh, saying that too. But with a team like the Lakers, it's it's, it's pretty uh, that it's a scary that they're, proposition. That
0: they're taking this <laughs> game as practice, and they are. And you can tell too, with there's some weird ass lineups that Vogel's thrown out there, and you can just tell it's a half is here. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like Harold closing. Oh my god! When I was what? I mean, I'm sure you remember this possession, but when I was watching the uh, Lakers Pistons um game, there was a possession where Harold got the ball on the uh, left block, and he was, was facing up. Ma- yeah, he was facing Mason Pumley, and he did a jab step, jab step, jab step, jab step, and it was like three seconds left on the shot clock, and then he tried to take a pull-up sh- uh or a face up pull-up jumper and he missed no, it. No, he and tried to like, lean
0: into him first. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And it was like, this is not this is not the offensive possession I would have chosen <laughs> yeah. to say the least. He's still fi- vogel still figuring he's still tinkering with stuff, but um if it yeah, they
0: they I'm I'm perfectly fine with them taking this regular season off. As long as we make the playoffs dude we're fine. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um also uh I have to say uh I'm really digging the way the Rockets have been playing so far too. Yes. Um, I'm buying Rocket stock real hard too. Yeah, they their offense hasn't been as great uh since the James Harden trade, but they are I think they're I'm pulling it up right now. They have been the second best uh defensive rating. They've had the second best uh defensive rating in the NBA since the Harden trade, which was uh January 13th they have been well now they're first uh um, my just updated nba.com uh the rockets have had a 102.8 defensive rating since january 13th and i think that just speaks to what we were talking about earlier when all the Harden stuff was was really crescendoing and um you know, it's not a big of a distraction anymore. Boogie and John Wall were about to pull up to Rockets practice and fight James Harden if he showed up before that. Before he got traded, to they're waiting. They're, wait- they're waiting in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, they were waiting in the parking lot for him, but then he got traded in. I really like that. Uh, I was telling you when the trade happened, I think we both said it, but I really like the makeup of this team. Um, I, I know Victor Ol- Oladipo doesn't want to be there, but he, we know Victor Oladipo a hard worker. He's going to show up and play no matter what. And, you know, we talked about it on TNT the other night, uh, last week, how, um, he, he, uh, after he got traded from Indiana, he was like, I'm not sure what it is about people wanting to give up on me, but it just gives me another chip on my shoulder. And he's been that type of dude since college. And uh, him and John Wall, uh, it's just a really fun athletic backcourt. Christian Wood, shout out Christian Wood, uh, process sixer, has been averaging 24 and 11 while shooting 55% from the field. And he's a mismatch <laughs> on the floor at all times. Um they still have PJ Tucker. Jay Sean Tate has been a really interesting rookie as a kind of like a potential 3 and D guy. Um, they just have a bunch of interesting pieces. They still have Daniel House, um, Boogie off the bench, Eric Gordon. Like They have a solid team, and I'm really in. Inter- they're 6 and 3 um, since the Harden trade, and I'm really interested in tracking the Rockets, man, because uh, I really liked their roster even before the Harden trade. I wish Harden kind of gave it a chance just to see, but obviously it didn't work out, but I really like what they were doing so far.
0: Yeah, I, they're a team to me that's like a dark horse kind of like season runner in the playoffs. Like if they get in as the sixth or eighth seed, they can make life real rough for one of the higher seeds. Yeah, I think like Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Like I Again, I feel like I feel like I'm shitting on the Clippers when I don't mean to. They're such a they're they are a really good team. They're they're really hot right now. It's just the Lakers letting really well. you. No, well, yeah, it's the Lakers letting me, but also like the speed of that backcourt, especially given given the the health of Kawhi and Paul George, and like the course of a long season. I don't know how they're going to hold up. We saw they looked tired at the end of last year, or in the even in the bubble. the The size of Christian Wood and 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 demarcus cousins like they are a kind of matchup nightmare for so many teams and i think like if you don't have the size or the speed to keep up with them they could really give you somewhat some team some trouble
1: i just they have a bunch of they have a bunch of uh quote-unquote dogs on the team like that's the main thing like they're really tough and when you have somebody, obviously, you know, there's John Wall, there's Oladipo, there's Cousins, PJ Tucker is literally, I think he eats nails for breakfast every morning. Like he just pours out a bowl of nails and just eats it every day. Um, it they just have a, they have a really interesting team, and I really fucks with the Rockets. Um, they, I'm, I really can't wait to see what they look like. I hope they, uh, right now they're the tenth seed. They are. A game ahead of the eleventh-seeded Oklahoma City Thunder, Uh, so they're in the play, and the Rockets are. But um, I could see them moving up a bit. Um, A lot of teams in the West, after the third seed, the Nuggets are finally starting to, you know, find their stride. They're seven and three in their last ten games, but you know, it's really bunched up if you look at it from five through ten. They're all separate. (laughs) Five through ten is separated by a game. And um, it's and, you know, some of that is postponements and stuff like that, but they've all kind of been, you know, mauling each other. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, uh, I think coach talking about teams that kind of were down on. I'm I we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I'm fully selling all of my stock in
1: the Trailblazers. <laughs> oh, I am, too. I'm done. Just it. It's not just. It's not just the fact that they had the worst defense, or one of the worst defenses in the NBA before Wind the injury. Fully healthy, yeah. Win fully, fully healthy. healthy. Now C.J. McCollum's been out. Yusuf Nurkic has been out. Zach Collins still hasn't come back yet. Um, Dame's having to carry the load on this team. Um, I just. I know they're ten and eight right now, and I think dame is going to take this team to the playoffs i have i think dame is absolutely a he to me he the last few years he's proved himself to be a tier one franchise guy but yeah, with the injuries and everything falling apart around them and the fact that even when healthy as healthy as possible um they had a really terrible defense and you know, when they brought in Covington and Derrick Jones Jr., it was like, oh, those are the wings they needed around CJ and Dame, along with Gary Trent Jr. And uh, Rodney Hood is coming back. Nope, the defense is still terrible. Um, they're, you know, Anthony Simons is now, you know, being thrust in, getting more minutes. Uh, I, I'm with you. I am selling my stock on the Blazers. What I am buying some more, tiny bit more stock in is the Warriors. Um, I think now that they, uh, I think now that they are bringing Wiseman off the bench, I think that's the right move for now, just because I understand, you know, you want to get your prized pick to, uh, get as many minutes as possible, but I think he could do that just as effectively as coming off the bench. Cause he was only averaging like 20 minutes a game anyway, starting for them. So I don't think the bench... Coming off the bench is a big deal. He can also beat up on the uh, lesser players, like the second unit and stuff like that. Gavon Looney's more experienced, but ever since Draymond came back, the Warriors have had the 10th best defense, and they have had the second best uh, defense in terms of uh, opponent field goal percentage, and Draymond has stabilized the defensive end, and him and Steph, are, they have stabilized the offensive end a little bit, too um and they're right around where honestly i thought they would be and dude i i know it's only 20 games into the season but i have to give credit to andrew wiggins because he he's is playing playing, really well he has been playing really well good defense he's shooting 40% from 3 he'll still do wiggins stuff where he'll do the spin move <laughs> and spin into three people and take a bad shot but for the most part he has been playing hard he has been a disruptive defender. Um, honestly, kind of like his Kansas days, and um, he has been a knockdown three-point shooter for them. And uh, I've I have to say I've been really impressed with Andrew Wiggins. And also, so, I'm on the other side of that coin. We have Kelly Oubre. Yeah, I know. On the oh my god, Kelly Oubre. Um, Everything that
0: you just said about Andrew Wiggins, flip it. And yeah, yeah you that's can flip
1: Kelly it. Oubre. You could flip it to Kelly Oubre. You want I I have his stats in front of me. So uh, Kelly Oubre is averaging, coming off a season where he was averaging 18 a game. He's averaging 12 points per game, uh, nearly six rebounds per game, one over one assist per game, 37 percent from the field, and 23 percent from three. Um, my dude tsunami poppy is not having a good year. Dude, he his true shooting percentage. You want to take a gander at what it is?
0: No. <laughs> <What>? I'm <laughs> well, terrified what it is.
1: Well, you're well, okay. It's a good thing you said no because it is terrifying. It's 46%. Oh my god. <laughs> it is way it is so far, it is like <laughs> so under the sea in terms of true shooting percentage. He's seeing Aquaman. Like that's <laughs> how bad it is like it's been it's been bad and i don't think he's gonna i don't think he's gonna play this poorly that like this poorly right i think he could you know at least climb out of the hole a little bit but he has been awful man
0: yeah that's uh that's a big yikes
1: yeah so i've I like this war. I still like this Warriors team. It killed me the other day. I've been watching Okay, this is totally Lonzo. <laughs> I uh, available for trade. I would I would look into so, it if I was the Warriors. Well today, well,
0: today the two teams that appeared in all of the rumors today have been the Warriors and Bulls are interested in Lonzo Ball.
1: Uh they should they should be interested in Lonzo Ball. At least at the very least um even if Lonzo continues shooting poorly this year, he is somebody who can be another ball handler and a smart passer because yeah. the Warriors don't have many smart passers well, someone, outside of Stephen Draymond.
0: Someone brought this up, and it's terrifying to think about. So looking looking forward, right? It's the same thing. It's the same reason why I wanted them to draft Lamelo. Where, yeah, now yep. in your in your offense, right? When Clay comes back, your offense is Lonzo. With Clay and Steph on the wings, you have Draymond in center position, and then you have Wiggins as a four, like a stretch four. And like that would now be the a nice closing is, lineup. The floor is completely open. You can run pick and roll
1: with Draymond and Lonzo, and that ball is flying everywhere. <laughs> Yep, and uh, transition too, by the way, because you know Lonzo and Draymond love doing those kick-ahead passes, Yeah, or you know Draymond is rumbling down the court and Lonzo can fill the lanes. Um, there's Lonzo has been playing well, by the way, the last few games because yeah. the Pelicans have finally de- started, decided, hey, to maybe move. we should they fucking were, were, play fast. They're
0: like, hey, we <laughs> should know? run.
1: We have young guys, we should run. Also, it also he got a little help from Mike Budenholzer because Budenholzer still thinks that his t- defensive philosophy is don't guard the three point line, so that helped Alonzo a little bit. So thanks for that, Mike Budenholzer. Yeah, get um, the confidence
0: up, and he's yeah, get it, well get now. the
1: confidence up a little bit. But uh, war, the Alonzo to the Warriors would be really interesting, um, it because it, he brings something that the Warriors lack, like I was mentioning earlier, because if you think about it. It's just Draymond and Steph that are really the only two really good passers on this team, and you could tell when both of them are out, it's a disaster. Brad Wanamaker isn't, you know, exactly <laughs> a world beater, even as a backup point guard. So, uh, it'd be nice for, uh, it'd be it'd also be a nice change of scenery for Lonzo as well. i um, like
0: him. I still like him in New Orleans. I think the the, the issue is kind of the logjam. They have a guard now. Yeah. But I think, like, if if they're looking to move they're looking to move Redick and blood if you can move those two and you just have a guard rotation of lonzo uh nicola walker and then you have uh kira lewis jr if you have those three as your guard rotation i think that's a great thing to build around yeah um, but again those three oh, guys talking about are alexander walker
1: yes oh, okay 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 i had to so make what... sure
0: <laughs> yeah so those three guys with the fucking longest name ever the the <laughs> thing with those three guys is you have to play fast. And yep. it comes down to like and honestly, even if you keep Redick and Bledsoe, play fast. Dude, you have Ingram, you're every no one on your team benefits by playing slow. Even Stephen Adams benefits by playing fast because then you can it it makes use of his he's a great outlet passer. Just mm-hmm. get have him sit defensive rebound, grab that ball outlet that thing. And then he is, you're hopefully taking a shot scoring or on the way back on defense before Steven Adams has a chance to clog up your offense. It works better that way.
1: I mean, honest, I, I mean, I told you this last week, but I would just, if I were the Pelicans, um, I've been so impressed with Brandon Ingram's, uh, leaps and I watched him a bit at Duke. I used to be fun fact. I used to be a huge Duke fan growing up. (laughs) Um, and I didn't know that when I was, you know, growing up, I didn't know Duke was hated like the most hated team in the country. I just liked the name Blue Devils and Duke. It was it was cool. So like, you know, I grew up with the uh, Shane Battier Elton Brand team, right, that won the national championship. But right. so like, my fan, I'm not a Duke fan anymore. Honestly, like, I still watch, you know, some. I I watch college basketball just more as a general fan now, but um. Uh, Brandon Ingram was right around that time where I started tailing off, and I watched a bit of him, and I I could see the potential, but I still questioned a few things like, was he ever going to be a good pull-up three-point shooter? Was his playmaking, is he going to be a good playmaker? And I've been so impressed with him. I would just build around Zion and Brandon Ingram at this point because uh, they, ha- for me, when it's team building, I think, and it's almost like in the NFL. like To me, once you have your franchise quarterback, Nothing else fucking matters to me, and um, it, and for me in the NBA, if you have your established plate, you're like your established young talent, start building around what they do best, and they have that in Zion, who has been. A lot healthier than I thought he would be, honestly. Uh, like, I would, me and you were really concerned about that yeah. going into this year. And then Brandon Ingram has taken another leap. Now, I don't know why David Griffin got the bright idea of not putting shooting around their best players, especially after what he saw last year and the success they had. But I would just focus around that. And, um, okay. you know, I would try to get assets for Lonzo. Not that I still like Lonzo as a player and the theoretical ceiling of him later on down the line. But at this point, it would kind of, the way he's been playing, I mean, I'd have to be objective and say I would not give him an extension, um, a a $20 million extension. John Hollinger, before the season, pegged Lonzo as making 20 mil on an extension, 20 mil a year um going into the next off season. and the way he's been playing I don't see that but I still think in a situation that is suit, suited for Lonzo like the Warriors that would be awesome but I would just build around Ingram and Zion at this point
0: come come home Lonzo
1: <laughs> come, come back to the Lakers come home. can you <laughs> imagine then, Lonzo with the Lakers oh my goodness yeah that would be a oh that, that would that would be a that would help Lonzo too uh obviously Obviously, that would help Lonzo as well. But uh, yeah, Um, I'm but I'm all about building around. I mean, novel concept, I know, <laughs> but I'm all about building once you find your guys, just start yeah. building around them. You know,
0: I'm higher on Lonzo fitting with Ingram and and Zion than you are. I think like I, st- I still think he's probably one of the more be- the better perfect per- compliments for them. I think they could. Um, oh, I think
1: they could fit together. But yeah, uh, I think I think
0: he's the piece that you want to keep. I think him and uh, Redick are like the kind of guys that you want to keep around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like kind of you know they're they're gritty perimeter defenders. You know they're really great, really smart, cerebral players that understand their space, like understand how to space the floor, understand how to fill like shooting lanes, uh, driving lanes, all that kind of stuff. And, like, by the way, like, the
1: Sixers should not go. Should not trade anything for Reddick. I will be mad. I think he's a buyout candidate, but I would not trade any meaningful assets to get Reddick. That would be a. I would be. That would be a, That would be the first time ever in my life I'd question a Daryl Morey move. <laughs> Quite frankly, but um, uh, it, it's interesting that um, you know, they're they're on the market. I do think there are a few teams that could use Reddick. I don't know why Brooklyn is in contention because it's like, oh, do you just want to add another subpar defender? JJ Reddick's always been a good team defender, but he's 35, 36 at this point. And the shooting will come back, but like, I just wonder how much other stuff he has to give now at this point in his career, you know?
0: This is my favorite tweet uh, I saw the other day. Uh, where is it? I'm looking for it. Uh, oh, here. So someone was asking about these Nets games and like Brooklyn games and someone said it's pretty much what I would expect pickup games during the summer with NBA
1: players would look like if they kept stats. (laughs) Yeah, like you you remember, like imagine if somebody kept stats during all those pickup games that were happening during the uh, lockout in 2011. That's what what I mean, like it
0: just seems like, right? Like it just seems like, fuck, what is what is
1: happening? Yeah. Those games were the well, obviously the games weren't broadcasted or anything, but anytime that shit was up on YouTube, I was the first one like yeah. clicking on it. <laughs> well, like you know,
0: being being working at UCLA, uh, you know, you see i I see stuff all the time where I'm like, oh, he's here. Let me go take a, let me go take a peek. Yeah, you you just like watch you watch these guys go, and you're like, man, like, you get a you get a you get a
1: good sense of like. Have you ever? So I'm assuming you've gotten a gander at the Rico Hines pickup games.
0: Yeah um there there's a lot of like a lot of those games i don't want to say they're not competitive but <laughs> there is a there's the guys are just shooting in the gym
1: yeah i mean if they win as hard as they did playing professional basketball in a pickup game there they would be there would be injuries for sure yeah. so they, they're probably not going at 110 percent. yeah
0: i mean they're not they're they're, you know, they're just kind of shooting in the gym and getting
1: a light working on there. their game.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, but man, it's, it's so funny to watch because you're like, man, they are scoring so easy.
1: Yeah. Like, this is why it's like people, I'm always amazed. Well, I do it too sometimes, but like, whenever Ben Simmons posted, you know, Pickup game videos like two summers ago. He posted like a bunch of them and everybody was getting hyped because he was taking jumpers. He was hitting fadeaways over like Devin Booker and a bunch of NBA players and stuff. And he just looked, he looked like a completely different player out there. But then I'm yeah. watching and then I'm like, wait, everybody's just, you know, jogging getting a light, a light jogging, you know, working on p- different parts of their game and all that stuff. Like, this is it, this isn't real. And then, you know, what do you know? <laughs> it's, it wasn't.
0: Yeah, so it's something, too, that's funny is, like, NBA players, I don't think people realize, like, a bad NBA player is still a really good fucking basketball player.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, 450, only 450 yeah. jobs open. Yeah.
0: So, you know, th- it's not like the the guy on the bottom of the Knicks bench, like the 15th man on the Knicks bench can still hit open threes and open shots and look like an absolute monster against like subpar or half trying defense. Yeah. And so, yeah. Like when you see some of those games, you're like, Oh, like, yeah, of course it makes sense that Durant has 80 points right now. And I haven't seen him miss a shot. yet. Like somebody
1: probably thinks Wayne Ellington is a scrub right now, but if he showed up at your LA fitness, he would give everybody. i told you, I think I told you about the
0: Gilbert arena story. (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. We, uh... So for our listeners, tell tell the story. Tell the Gilbert Arena okay. story.
0: So uh, one of my best friends grew up with... Uh, or one of my best friend's older sisters went to school with Nick Young. Nick Young went to high school at Cleveland High School. It's like uh, five minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so, yeah. So we grew up with Nick Young kind of just around. And then so when he gets to the NBA... Obviously, he's playing with Gellerman. playing in the Wizards. We ask him all the time, all his questions, all this stuff. He tells us stuff, whatever. Then, uh, and he's still, and Nick still lives around here too. I see him every once in a while, but he's he's he still lives around in this in this area. Um, but one day, uh, we, I was going with my friends to go play basketball, and I get a call. I I call Nick, and I'm like, "Hey, what, do you want to come hang out? Whatever." He's still in the NBA. This guy point.
1: calling Nick Young. <laughs>
0: well, because he, you know, it's. It's like calling your older brother at that point, right? You're
1: just like, hey, "Yeah, are you I'm just giving you shit." <laughs> yeah, and so
0: like, and then so, uh, he's like, "Nah, I'm going to 24-hour fitness." I was like, "Oh, I was like, can we come?" And he's like, "Yeah, we're just, we're just gonna play in the gym." And I was like, "All right, cool." And so it's it's the if anyone is in the Valley in LA, uh, in Northridge in the Northridge 24-hour fitness, it's really nice. It used this is a couple years ago when it was brand new, but um, you used to see players going there all the time, like, uh. Terrell Owens used to be there all the time. And let Terrell me say, Owens can Terrell, Terrell Owens, no. Terrell Owens is a terrible basketball player. Well, let me tell he's a, you. Me,
1: he's athletic as hell. He's athletic uh, as hell, yeah, and he can dunk. Yeah. But he
0: can't shoot, and he can't dribble. Yep. So all he
1: can do is run, cut, and dunk.
0: That's all he can do.
1: And I'm remembering he, the celebrity games that he did. He, he really was a terrible basketball player. <laughs> and,
0: and, when you, and when he plays defense, he fouls. Like he, sees, he uses his strength and his body, Like so he locks you in. He doesn't play defense. Yeah, he, he just tries to use his arms to, like bully you into place. Um. Anyway, side note. Uh. But we show up there, and Gilbert Arenas is there, and you know, of course, we grew up where Gil, where Gilbert Arenas was Hibachi and like you know going Agent off. Z- Agent, Agent Zero. Zero. Yeah. Right. And like you know, this guy's fucking crazy, but Gilbert Arenas, <laughs> this is like a couple years after he had retired, so he's he's a big boy.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's Gilbert a Arenas, little hefty.
0: Gilbert Arenas was a. Uh, Definitely eating the hibachi instead of feeling you know, that, <laughs> and so you know he's he's a big dude, and so you know I am I forget how old I was I was in college so you know I'm, in my head I'm like I can I can do work it's Gilbert Reyes oh I'm, my I'm god all right. <laughs> <laughs> so we took turns guarding Gilbert Reyes and that dude gave us buckets <laughs> 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 and, 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 and like shook me out of my shoes. Choose- kind of crossover moves and i'm like i was like he big man not supposed to move like that you were like Nani, <laughs> Nani? yeah he's not supposed <laughs> to do that this dude this dude's ginormous and he's he's like he's still got some shake and some shake some you know some shimmy and you're like what is going on he's nailing jumpers he's going to the basket he's using the doughiness to go to the basket i was like this is a different gilbert
1: yeah now he has the, now he has <laughs> the heft to do the old man back your ass down <laughs> yeah, he has
0: the, yeah he has the junk in the trunk moves like oh my goodness <laughs> but yeah and, and so that's when i learned like all right nba players i knew
1: this already obviously but like
0: there's NBA players are like different. still though when
1: you see it in person for yourself you're you're think you get the wheels turning and whatever you're like I don't know I think I could maybe I could I I think I could hang
0: (laughs) I kind of I kind of knew it too because uh we grew up with so when I was a I was doing some internships at at or just kind of volunteering at my local high my middle school and uh Jason Kidd's son used to go to that middle, like was in one of my classes that I was working on or working mm-hmm. in. And so, you know, that kid was super good. And I was like, okay, I could see why I could see what where this kid's coming from. And then his dad came in one day, and this was this was old Jason Kidd. This is like Maverick's Jason Kidd. And yeah, you know, he's not he's not playing, but he's just kind of shooting around, hanging out with the with the kids and you know, signing autographs doing whatever, just hanging out with the son, right? And uh I was just I didn't. I didn't try to play him or anything, but like I just watched him shoot in the gym, and I was like, "Man, Jason Kidd can't shoot," and he's nailing wide open threes in this gym. And I'm like, "Okay, maybe Jason Kidd can shoot." <laughs> and then so stuff like that, right? Where you're like, "All right, I'm not quite sure." And then uh, like Jordan Farmer went to my high school or went to my middle school. Wow, so he was, he was, that's a throwback.
1: School. Yeah. So like, <laughs> Farmar. You
0: know, but like Farmer, the thing with Farmer when I played against Farmer was the thing that. It was the thing of, oh, he's still young and he's still like in his NBA prime, so like maybe that's why. But like playing against Gilbert, where it's like he's clearly done. (laughs) He is clearly not anywhere close to the player he was before. Yeah, that knee injury
1: that that basically made him retire and all that stuff. Yeah, and
0: he's still just killing us.
1: Still just giving you buckets. (laughs) That's funny. It's it's funny because uh um. You know, a few weeks ago, I saw a tweet. It was like J- uh, Gilbert Arenas was kind of James Harden light. And I actually agree with that. So it got me thinking when you were talking about how hefty Gilbert Arenas was giving you buckets. I was like, it's kind of like how hefty Harden <laughs> is yeah. still giving people buckets right now <laughs> in the NBA. Um, I don't have. Well, you're making it more and more apparent that I need to move to L.A. someday, first of all. I uh, <laughs> you money. Because of all of the proximity uh, with all these players and all these hoop legends, but uh, I have a, I have a pickup story that's not as cool as yours, but uh, we ended up so. My dad was a high school teacher back in Bakersfield. He became one of the best in the district. And so, you know, he had a lot of connections and stuff. So he, we found an open gym at a high school over the weekend. And so, you know, he invited me to go. It was like early in the morning. I said, yeah, I'll go. Um, he was telling me that a professional, i for, his name was Joe something, but he was a professional from overseas or he played overseas and, you know, had retired for a few years and, um, Joey Porter's nephew, um, the linebacker, Joey Porter, the linebacker for the Super Steelers. Bowl champion Steelers. Yeah. His nephew, uh, also came out cause Joey Porter had a house in Bakersfield. He lived in Bakersfield. Um, and so we went to the pickup game and it just became apparent. He was like six, nine. I was, I was like, holy shit. Like I've never, like I played in high school against some tall people, but like, at that point, that was probably the tallest person I had played, especially in a pickup game. I've never and, seen humans this size. <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh, okay. And he was like he's probably late 30s, early 40s, and he was dunking, running the floor. And um, you know, Joey Porter's nephew was actually kind of decent. Um, you know, a little ball hoggy, but you know, he he was still kind of decent. And I remember the fu- the the fun part of this story, the funny part of this story is that I think I was like 17 or 18 at that point. Um, and me and my dad were on opposite teams. And so uh, I ended up, I ended up playing the passing lane and I get a steal. Right. And so my dad is already back towards the basket and I'm like, I get the steal and I'm rumbling down the court and I'm about to go up for a layup. <laughs> and so my dad fouls the shit out of me like he fouls me I'm going up for a layup he like hits my arms and I was already kind of starting to jump in the air and like my body ended up being horizontal to the ground <laughs> and I hit my head on the hardwood and like I could feel like not blood or anything but like I see water like just disperse everywhere from my yeah. face and shit and uh I was fine like I w- I was fine. I didn't get a concussion or anything. I I still played, but my dad just gave me like a hard like Kurt Rambis Kurt Rambis-esque foul. Yeah. And he 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 realized what he did and he was like, "Oh shit. Are like, are you okay and all that stuff?" And then uh somebody in the back was just like, "Well, somebody didn't do their chores over the weekend." <laughs> <laughs> in retrospect it was hilarious but yeah don't uh apparent i found out that day that my data it was like no easy baskets
0: <laughs> yeah dude it's so funny we so we used to play three on three in my backyard we have a like a small half court setup in our backyard and so we when i was in college and high school we used to play all the time with my friends with my dad's friends all that kind of stuff so one of my dad's friends Davey, he's a he's a bigger dude he's like i think six four six maybe maybe, that. maybe like six two six three yeah and so and really aggressive like think mantras harold kind of style like that's how he plays
1: like, oh, Real God. active, active the China aggressive. Shop.
0: yeah like that's all it is right and like once the ball goes down there like you're not he's not kicking it back out like he's this going is your up. dad no this is my this is my dad's friend
1: oh okay 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 and so
0: like you know he's just going up right and so i know this right so i know i, I know not to go in there and so i <laughs> I know to stay, I know to stay on the outside and just wait for this ball, like, you know, whatever. And so, uh, I had braces at the time. And so all of a sudden, Oof. so it's a close game and it's getting kind of intense and ball goes in and I see him start to do his swing move, like his, his rip through. And yeah. I see it and I see the ball and I go and I, and I, I dive in real quick and I just swipe at it and I get it and I knock it out and he, and I start to go to pick it up and he just dives at me at it and like throws some bows to get me out of the way <laughs> and i and it i just get whacked in the face and i fall i fall backwards and i go, <laughs> and I and, then I and obviously he scores or whatever and i get up and my br- like the whole like left side of my brace is off my mouth <laughs> oh and, my god and i go i was like holy shit and my dad goes holy shit <laughs> and so we i run inside to like look in the mirror and my mom goes what's wrong and and she looks at me and she runs I hear her run outside and go who the fuck hit my son <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey don't fuck don't fuck with a, a mother's kids man
0: yeah and I was like I was like no no I was like, okay it was, it, was, it was so funny it was so funny it was just a funny thing um, who hit my baby <laughs> Yeah, who hit my son I was like, um but yeah man oh another another funny story real quick too (laughs) we're talking about it so we were when i was at lcs so lcs is the league of legends north american league of legends uh league and so we're sitting in the in the back of the in the back of the studio not in the back like it's like a it's like a lounge area for like the players to eat and the like staff to eat and hang out and then like guests and like if you want to bring guests or anyone backstage like that's the place you hang out and watch the games or eat it's like a full bar and and sitting sitting area Um, yeah you can find videos of it online whatever but so anyway we're sitting back there and we're most like most people that are in esports like there's a pretty big crossover between sports fans and esports people that work in esports and love video games stuff like that like you know like us right like you know they're pretty big crossover that play and and stuff like that and so we oh yeah so we had just played some pickup with a couple of people, that I think the day before or the week before, and so we were talking some shit. we were just hanging out, um, and so we started talking about it. we were like, "Hey, we should get a league together because I because Riot Games is across the street from the studio, and they have a full they have a full court. Like they have oh know, wow, because it's a it's a games." It's a it's a game dev studio, right? Like of yeah. course they have the amenities and like all that kind of stuff. So they have a full court. So we were like, hey, you know what we should do? We should have all of the LCS teams put together, pick up basketball teams, and then we can play the LCS in basketball. So whatever ma- whatever LCS matchup is that week, we play that team in the basketball league too.
1: Oh,
0: okay. That's right. that's pretty cool. Like, like that's a fun idea, right? And we can stream a, that and we can a have idea. a fun time and then and then we thought about it we're we're like really getting involved in it right and then i completely forgot fucking rick fox and jared Jeffries walking into the room because it's because echo fox is up next and they mm. walk in the room They're like what's up guys what are you talking about and i was like oh You're like, never mind i was like this is a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> like immediately it went from this is awesome we should do this too everyone was like oh this is a bad idea <laughs>
1: yeah everyone's like uh yeah nope <laughs> <laughs> i was That's like funny.
0: I was like, I think, I think, Echo Fox just wins this this turn this league.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's funny. Um, I I also like this is totally our podcast because now we're talking about our pickup story, <laughs> our pickup game story. Never. I love it. I love it. Um, I do. So we should take a break from the pickup stories though, because I do have a few questions to ask you before uh you, we dip out. So. I want to know about a quarter of a way through the season. And I kind of did this on my podcast last week when I had a Nick Agar Johnson on, but uh, I want to know so far through, you know, more than a quarter of a way through the season. I'm wondering if you, well, if you have a top three, you can say it, but I'm wondering who your MVP is so far through uh, more than a quarter of a way through the season.
0: Uh, So I have Embiid is one. I think he's, Okay, away. I do too. Yeah, I think he's far and away the the best player in the league at this point in terms mm. of how they're in terms of performance. I mean, best player in the league in terms of like I take them to start a team, but like you know,
1: in terms impact of and all impact that, yeah. and how
0: they're performing and stuff like that. Like, yeah, mb to me is more important. uh I have LeBron either two or three, which is insane. I have two, I which is insane given the amount of effort <laughs> that he is <has> given <laughs> know. this year. Uh yep. and then I ha- and then I have Durant.
1: Okay. All right. So you kind of had the same list as uh, Nick last week. I was struggling between Durant and Jokic because um, I think the Nuggets struggles are mostly independent of Jokic. Like, I think Jokic is not the problem there. Like, Jamal Murray to me hasn't taken, hasn't capitalized off the crazy playoffs he had. And that was kind of the fear going in with him. It was like I knew that was he gonna d- happen.
0: He doesn't. He he shows up for big games and he disappears the rest of the time,
1: which I think is valuable because like he has shown up in the playoffs oh, now, and it's kind of like we have to take that into consideration. But like regular season, it's like, uh, okay. Like he's kind of back to like that seven sixteen to eighteen point a game score. Who will get hot on occasions, have a hot two weeks or whatever. But uh, they also lost Jeremy Grant and Tory Craig, Michael Porter Jr. Even in the game yesterday when the Nuggets were killing the Jazz, Michael Porter Jr got lost on defense so many times the Nuggets announcer announcer was just like, uh Michael lost that guy in the corner and that's why they got the, the wide open 3. Yeah. Like even he started calling it out. And so cuz Jokic to me he looks faster. His defense has gotten better. I I always whenever we talk about bad defenders, that reputation kind of sticks even if they improve and kind of you know, prove that narrative wrong. This kind of sticks with them. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Jokic is a top flight defender or whatever, but the dude is so good offensively. And it would be such a damn shame because the all NBA teams kind of archaic with positions. If Emb- Embiid and Jokic have to be on the first team for me, like he, they have been so great. But uh, I have Embiid one, LeBron two, Jokic three. Uh, Durant four. Um, I'm then probably Paul George and Kawhi. You can alternate between those two, and then Giannis, because I went on this rant last week, but it's ridiculous that Giannis was disqualified before the season even started from winning because it's kind of the reverse argument of the LeBron thing, right? Because that, oh, LeBron could win MVP every year, and it's like, yeah, he could, but if he's coasting while still being great, by the way like LeBron is still great even when coasting if other players have a better regular season then they should win the regular season award if you want to include the playoffs the NBA should just say okay we're going to include the playoffs too right well my thing is my thing is with well okay it goes it, to me it
0: comes down to the thing of like this is why i i hate the mv the name mvp because the idea of most valuable player just the name of the award it means so much different stuff for
1: different people yep it's, it's a like, it's a convoluted definition and and like to, so
0: to me to me a lot of people just say it as like who is the best pl- who's the best player that season yeah well okay to me the best player is going to be lebron always yeah, it doesn't matter the performance of the other play. Like if your definition is the best player of that season, then yeah, it's LeBron every year. Yep. If your definition is who has the best season overall, statistically or whatever, then yeah, it's, it will just go by numbers and stats. Okay. It, like, it, you know what I mean? Like it depends on how you want to, everyone is going to have a different opinion on what is valuable and what that award means and what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the issue. To me, the reason why I I didn't think, I think, I thought LeBron was the MVP last year. Um, But again, like, and to me, I don't disqualify Giannis. My thing is with Giannis, it's hard to give it to him when I just know that he's not that good a basketball player (laughs) in terms of like, and again, I say this half jokingly, right? But the thing is, like, Giannis could be three, four times better than he is now if he learned how to play basketball.
1: Yeah, it's like what Gilbert Arenas was saying. Um, the What was it about Harden and Giannis? Well, more so Giannis than Harden. Um, yeah. I, I still think, I, I don't think, I wouldn't have Giannis try to develop a three-point shot. Um, he's gotten a little bit better with, he has a mid, he has, he kind of is, he's starting to find like a pet mid-range shot and like a hook shot, which is encouraging signs, but yeah, he just, um, need,
0: he just needs moves that aren't just dr-
1: bulldozed to the basket. Yeah, that isn't and so he, easily predictable. But and, uh, he,
0: and he needs to know he doesn't understand spacing or like how to cut yet. Mm. He really doesn't. All he he doesn't understand like where the open spot on the floor is going to open up, and you can see it too. If he doesn't have the ball in his hand, he's really quite confused as to where to stand.
1: I also think it's coaching too because I think Giannis is smart enough to know that stuff, but I think Mike Budenholzer, I. I have come to realize he's not a good coach. Cause like, it's like what Bill Simmons has said. And this is like the second time in my, in my life I've agreed with Bill Simmons, but Giannis should be like, um, Jack. like Shaq or he should be playing pick and roll with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And Mike Budenholzer for some reason doesn't like doing that. And he doesn't like changing his philosophy. And I don't like coaches that aren't malleable. And um, the fact that Giannis is still putting up historic numbers that he does have, and he has taken his team to the conference finals. And yes, the last playoffs was bad. and But in the year before that, they were an overtime away from going up 3-0, and that series is over. Yeah. Um. So I do want to give Giannis credit there. But there are things still he can work on. You know what I mean? And Again,
0: and I don't want to shit on Giannis because it sounds like I'm shitting on Giannis. I don't. It's yeah, a, that
1: that part where you said he's not a good player, that would be clipped <laughs> by everybody yeah. out of context. <laughs> the, the thing, the
0: thing to me is, and I think I brought it up before. I brought it up a lot. Is he's Dwight Howard to me? He is the physical freak of nature, the athletic marvel that you just wish had some, like a little more skill and a little, like had a little more in the in the basket, and <clears> you, <throat> and you go like, oh. I know what I'm getting from Dwight Howard. I know what I'm getting from Giannis. There's yep. nothing more season to season, I know what he is. And like right now, I think what we're seeing from Giannis, obviously he's still young, but if he continues down this trajectory, he's not going to be much better in four or five years.
1: Which is he's still just gonna a gonna weak be player, by the way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But like again, it's because of the thing of like this is probably his ceiling if he doesn't if he doesn't get something soon.
1: Yeah. And um I think also, um, Ben Dietrich of uh, Cookies Hoops, he kind of had this uh, thought last year, but he was one of the few that was anti Giannis defensive player of the year because Giannis is incredible, obviously, as a free safety. I think he's the Bucks' best defensive player on, well, last year it was an elite defense. They kind of slid back this year, but if you look at his deflection numbers, his steal rate, um does he guard the best player, not usually, and all yeah. that stuff he's usually he's like I think he was like eightieth in deflections or something like that per game and all that stuff, and it's like is he really a defensive player of the year candidate? I thought he should have won it last year, but the argument is there. you know what I mean like it's it's like he it, he was put in a position to use his gifts to have an incredible impact on that end, but like absolutely I don't think i don't I don't blame him at all but i don't think like when you look at the
0: way and again kind of like
1: anthony davis in a sense yeah Uh,
0: well, well the thing with anthony davis is anthony davis is this sort of he does stuff that i've never seen before from a defensively like the way that he is able to cover and stick with guys and the way that he's able to kind of fit one through five and and he completely changed the way the defenses function. It's absolutely insane the way Anthony Davis changed the Lakers' defense. It's crazy. Mm. Um, but like again, I don't with Giannis. It feels like like with with Anthony Davis, it feels like they're playing around Anthony Davis. Where with the Bucks, it feels like Giannis. They're they're playing in spite of Giannis, or they're playing around Giannis's.
1: They built around Giannis. They built district. around Giannis,
0: right? it feels it feels like <clears throat> it feels like everyone's funneling into Giannis's strengths rather than anthony davis's is empowering everyone else if that makes sense
1: yeah i could i i could kind of see what you're saying there um real quickly the, i want to give you if if you're talking about impact for mo- like if impact is one of your criteria for most valuable player not you in particular but like anybody listening um right. The Sixers historically have been dog shit when Embiid sits, whether he goes off, whether he sits on the bench after he subs out or he gets uh, rested. Um, they've, the Sixers are a minus seven and a half. Um, the net rating improved yesterday after somehow coming back from 16 yesterday against the Pacers. I was ready for them to lose that game. But uh, a minus point seven or a minus 7.5 net rating, that would make them 29th right behind the Thunder, and keeping distance with the Catless Minnesota Timberwolves. When Embiid is on the court, uh, just setting the filters here. This is great podcasting. Come on, Internet. Embiid is a plus 13 yeah. when the, when he's on the court, and that would make them first by a long shot. Like, the impact this dude has he's finally it's not just that he's figured out some stuff it's finally they put the right pieces around him he's figured out double teams and of course he's always he's always provided I think when he's healthy and engaged which he has been this year I think he's the most impactful defender in basketball just teams don't attempt anything at the rim when he's on the court and they take more mid range shots and shots that the defense wants them to take. He's been awesome this year. And I think and I think actually, I'm not gonna sit here and be one of those guys like, oh, it's not close, but I have him first almost with a bullet right now. Um, especially with the way LeBron is kind of coasting, um, which is still insane. <laughs> like we said, it's still insane that uh he is Basically second or third on everybody's list, but he's kind of coasting. But I've been really, I've just been floored by the way Embiid's playing this year.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd be super happy if I were you. It's it's pretty crazy to think about. Like, and I've always been really high on Embiid. It's it's I'm happy that he's. I'm I'm really happy that he's gotten over the injury concerns and he's kind of being able to... Dude,
1: he's a three-level scorer as a seven-footer. Like He's shooting 40% from mid-range, which is high efficiency. He's shooting 40% from three, and then, of course, he puts dudes under the basket whenever he gets a post position. And the fact that he's also shooting nearly 11 free throws a game and he's shooting 85% basically from the free throw line as a seven-footer that is physically imposing, I... I linked uh, on Twitter a few weeks ago that Rob Mahoney piece about um, Embiid is. It, it was called Embiid is the exception to the MVP rule, and it makes me wonder now. Some of the, a lot of the half court concerns I had about this team come playoff time. I wonder if that's even going to matter if Embiid continues to bend basketball like this. Because if you look at it, I'm sure if, if you watch Sixer games and you pause it whenever Embiid has the ball on the block. Just look at how many dudes are in the paint or how many dudes are looking at Embiid. It's almost I'm not gonna sit here and say Steph gravity, but the way Steph attracts three defenders out on the perimeter and beat on the block, he attracts that much attention. Like he gets triple teamed sometimes, and it's it's insane. Uh, so I just I I wanted to get our MVP rankings out here on the podcast since yeah, we're definitely. a quarter of the way through. Um, my last question is um I'm thinking about it still. I struggle with this, but I can't get past the fact that the Nets still can't play a lick of defense outside of a two-minute stretch where they're really engaged. But (laughs) when it comes to the playoffs, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, those are the type of guys you want, especially when the defenses get tough and you need guys who could just get buckets. And I'm struggling with... Because the Celtics... Are underperforming. Their defense is the worst it's been in the Brad Stevens era. Same with the Bucks. This their defense has not been great. Um, I'm looking at it right now. They're 17th in defensive rating. Boston is 10th, but they could easily fall outside of the top 10. And to me, it's like if you still have James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, it's not gonna matter. I think the Sixers have clearly been the best team in the East so far this year, but are the Nets still a conference finalist in your mind? Yes. Okay, it, all right. It, uh, me to too. Me, I just want to make sure I'm not insane here because I no, still to grapple me, I, with the defense. Again, it, it comes down to
0: right now that, like you said, the Bucks and the Celtics are, are disappointing, especially defensively. Because to me, hmm. again, I think we talked about it before, you need to not you're not gonna stop them, but you need to at least slow them down because you're gonna get easy buckets. So as long as you can stop them once or twice, you're good. You just stop them once or twice and you're gonna score every time. Don't worry about yep. it. And then you just you just get into a you know, you get it's the it's the fighting game lee it's the fighting game thing of like you just hit them, you just hit them once, you get that health bar down a little bit, and then you run away for the rest of the timer. That's all you do, right? <laughs> <laughs> all you do is you stop them a couple times and you just score. That's all it is. Um, But yeah, like, you know, the thing with the Nets is I was laughing so hard. They gave up 147, 49 points.
1: I need to watch that whole game. I saw the last minute of it. Yeah. But my, they gave up, they
0: gave up that many points in a regular, like no overtime needed. They gave that up in four quarters. And someone said, well, Harden wasn't playing. And I said, what, you think Harden's going to help you defensively stop that? <laughs> He's
1: <laughs> you know, going to add like two more step back threes. That's about it.
0: <laughs> I was like, what, what do you think's going to happen? So yeah, I'm, it's concerning. The defense is highly concerning to me. To me, it puts them in the conference finals. I don't know if they're going to beat the Sixers. But even if they do, there's no way in hell they're beating the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Nuggets.
1: I would agree with the Lakers and the Clippers. The Nuggets, they are also one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. Uh, So I would be hesitant, very hesitant actually, to say that the Nuggets can beat the Nets because KD will roast Michael Porter Jr., Gary (laughs) Harris Jr., um he's a good defender but he forgot how to shoot a basketball and uh James Harden I think would co- just I'm looking at the matchups and thinking about the matchups in that potential series I think Jokic, my
0: thing, it always comes down to Jokic and like I don't Jokic think would I,
1: have to be like 30 12 and 12 for them my to thing is like
0: I think Jokic would carve him up and I think he'd, he'd
1: make life tough absolutely defensively
0: just just the size alone
1: yeah But if it's the Lakers and the Clippers, which I'm very, I cannot wait to see tomorrow's game. By the way, or today's game when this podcast comes out, the Clippers and Nets play, and that'll be awesome to watch. That's a it'll be a it'll be a good test. Um, but I just have to say the fact that Kevin Durant is still averaging like over thirty-seven and seven, basically, like coming off off an Achilles, like the fact that he's doing this coming off into torn Achilles, like he might replace Dominique Wilkins as like the standard bearer for Achilles recovery because this is the third time in his career he's averaging 30 points a game in a season, averaging nearly 31, and he's shooting a career-high 44% from three and still going to the free-throw line a bunch. This dude is insane is basically what I'm trying to say. He's still yeah. the second-best player in the world to me. And it's a bit... I'm just glad Kevin Durant is healthy. That's that's all.
0: Definitely. Definitely with you there. So, uh, so before we go, I've one I've one last kind of fun question cuz I like to end I like to end off on fun questions, George. Okay. Okay. Who is the who's your favorite NBA player of all time that never played for one of your teams? Shit. Because I thought about this the other night, and it was very—it was easier answered than I thought to come up with.
1: Uh okay. So,
0: like a player, you're like damn, I was the, i love. This I was player. a
1: huge, I was a huge Brandon Roy fan in high school. Oh, okay, I loved Brandon Roy. Um, and you know, you know the respect Kobe had for Absolutely. Brandon Roy. Uh, but. I thought that dude can do everything. He was smooth. He wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but he got to his spots. He could handle. He had kind of like that early step back, um, kind of before Harden. Obviously, Harden has made it into his own, and it's a unique unto itself. But like, he had the pull up. He had. He could shoot the three. He could handle. He could pass. And it broke my heart when he started breaking down uh, mm-hmm. with injuries, and. He was one of my favorite players to watch. I would probably say Brandon Roy, and Brandon Roy, Dwayne Wade, and uh, T Mac would be those three that I yeah. watched, gr- that I loved watching growing up. Like I loved all of them, obviously, but like those three in particular. I remember when Dwayne Wade made his made his finals run in 06 uh, '06 against the Mavs. He yeah. had. He had those sick ass Converse, those Dwayne Wade Converse shoes, but he always wore high socks. And so, going into that summer, that was going into my freshman year of high school, and the basketball team had a summer program and they gave us uniforms and stuff like that. And they gave us, you know, team socks. And I wore those high socks like I was Dwayne Wade. And I had Wade shoes, I had the Converse shoes. And, um, you know, I would try to run like I would try to jog like Dwayne Wade after I score, you know, how players have that little home run yeah. trot after they score. I tried to act like that, act like that for a bit. But uh, I'd probably say Brandon Roy and Dwayne Wade were my two favorite players to yeah. uh, to watch.
0: So mine, mine are D Wade, T-Mac, and then I had Penny Hardaway. Those are the three. Those are like my three favorite players. Yeah. I,
1: you're pulling up Penny Hardaway on the YouTubes all the time
0: yeah penny hardaway to me was like magic johnson but in like 90s Magic johnson just like Mm -hmm. he's so smooth he's got the he's got the 90s swag but he has the magic like size and touch and like those magic
1: pinstripe jerseys are fire
0: yeah oh my god all those all those especially the
1: all black the black and blue pinstripe magic jersey i love that jersey it's one of my favorites
0: but yeah, Penny, Penny was Penny's awesome to watch, and then yeah, D Wade growing up was like a huge thing, and then T Mac. So I I used to watch every every time the Lakers played the Heat or the or the well when I when I fell in love with T Mac with with Rockets Magic it was Magic kind of Rockets T Mac like so uh whenever the, they played anytime they many matched up I had to watch it and I had to take a look oh yeah
1: anytime Kobe matched up with those two that was that was must see TV. Um, yeah. I love going back on YouTube and looking up highlights of that too. I remember the opening night. I think it was the 2009 season when the Rockets played the Lakers. Me and the homies, we went to uh we went to Mountain Mike's and uh to watch that. And um I think T-Mac had like I'm trying to remember. I think Kobe had like 35 or something like that and T-Mac had 40 and uh the Lakers still I'm trying now. I got to look it up because now I'm now my memory is kind of shot. But the Lakers and Rockets were on TNT opening night, and Kobe and T Mac played when uh, he was on the Rockets before his knees started giving out. And um, that was that was fun. Those two, those two, and Kobe versus Dwayne Wade and Kobe versus Brandon Roy. Every time that happened, I had to make sure I had to find like an illegal stream, statue of limitations. And, um, (laughs) Or uh, you know, find whoever had the Lakers channel on because I didn't yeah. have the uh, I didn't get the uh, Fox Sports uh, West package often. Um, so I had to like, so I'd either do an illegal stream or if it was on a national a national TV game, or I'd go over to uh the homie George's house and he had the Lakers channel on. Um, but uh, yeah, those anytime Kobe faced up against one of those guys, it was it was must see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to add to that too, I did one of my favorite teams of all time was that uh that early two thousands, maybe late two thousands Rockets teams. Late two thousands. Yeah the the T Mac the T Mac Yao Rockets teams because I used mm-hmm. to love watching Yao too because I thought Yao was such a special player. And yep. I think people I think people really kind of underestimate how skilled Yao was because everyone just calls about the size, right? And I was like, no, dude. Yeah. Yao Yao had the size, but he had some of the best touch, the touch I've ever seen. And he had some great footwork like he mm-hmm. shouldn't be able to move the way he moves for a guy his size but he could move because he had the great footwork
1: yep um you know and, and he was a what was he he was a 83 percent free throw shooter for his career like he had the mid-range um it was just a shame that the foot injury kind of yeah. derailed his career I mean, to be you fair, remember in the you can't be that
0: big and not have some i know kind of side effect. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, that's that is also true, but it still sucks nonetheless. Yes, um, but you remember in the 09 playoffs when the Rockets took the Lakers to seven games without T Mac? I was, oh, yeah. I loved that Rockets team before the season started when they, especially when they traded for Ron Artest, then Ron Artest that yeah. that year or that summer. And I was like, oh, a big three of Ron Artest, Tracy McGrady, and Yao Ming. And then that's when T Mac injuries started piling up unfortunately because the year before that the Rockets had that what was it that 26 game winning streak or yep. or and was it was ridiculous. Team. Um but those late Rockets teams that's a sneaky what if.
0: Well remember too they had they had Battier and they had Ray for Alston. Ray for who Alston two, two were underrated
1: <laughs> Chuck Hayes.
0: Dude those teams are good man. Yeah Chuck and they Hayes were coached like, by Rick Chuck Hayes with all his teeth
1: yeah. <laughs> and they had Rick Adelman too. Like that that was a that it's just a shame that team got derailed by injuries.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah that's about it anything else Jordan? I think we've
1: uh... no I think we covered everything uh, for today um, looki- like I said looking forward to the Nets Clippers tomorrow that's going to be a big test um, and also I imagine it's going to be a high scoring game because even if, though the Clippers have really good wing defenders um, it's Kevin Durant and James Harden <laughs> so yeah. it's going to be fun
0: yeah I'm excited to see how, how it goes you know i I'm, it's, it's, to me, it's going to set the tone for what the next card is. I don't think it says much about the Clippers, but I think it says a lot about what, this, what the net Yep. But yeah. So thanks, guys, for listening.
1: And uh, we'll see you in next
0: week. The P.O.B.